Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Nebraska Public Media Sports brings you live coverage of the NSAA High School Baseball Championships from Werner Park in Omaha on Friday, May 17th. Catch the Class C game at noon Central, Class B game at 3.30 p.m. Central, and Class A at 7 p.m. Central on Nebraska Public Media. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hurt at Sports Radio. Back to throw. They blitz him from the safety spot, and Prescott escapes that, runs to his right, throws on the run to the middle of the field. Lamb at the 50. No one would get anywhere near him. Lamb could crawl in if he wanted to. C.D. Lamb, 92 yards from Dak Prescott for the Dallas touchdown. Off to the right to Travis Etienne. Got a little bit of a block. 40, 45. Oh, on the right sideline. 40, 35, 30, 25. Travis Etienne still on his feet. Travis Etienne to the goal line. Touchdown. Travis Etienne. An explosive run. Welcome back. Kicking off hour number two here on Herd at Sports Radio on AM590 ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities. I'm Robbie Lula. Andrew Rogers here with me. Joining us now on the Warhorse Sportsbook Hotline is Cynthia Freeland of the NFL Network. Cynthia, how are you this morning? I'm great, thank you. How are you? Oh, we are doing just fine here in a chilly Omaha, Nebraska, <laughs> trying to stay warm here. Uh, wanted to start off asking, you know, because I'm, I'm a little selfish here. Uh, I'm a big 49ers fan. How much has, I know you're big into the, the, the numbers and the data analytics of the NFL. How close has the eye test been to what the numbers are telling you on a team like the 49ers that until at least Christmas Day were seen to be head and shoulders above the rest of the league now it seems like it's them and the Ravens yeah I mean the the thing is is even watching back that Ravens game you're seeing some of the things that we all know cause problems right like injuries or someone in and out of the lineup etc and and look like the score while it was very impressive, I still think, like, if I'm a Niners fan, I'm not, I'm not very worried because, well, okay, I'm, I'm a little worried because it's never good. To, it never feels <laughs> good to, to do that. But I'm not super worried because sometimes, you know, the score kind of gets away from, from you after a while, and some of those become garbage minutes at the end where it's, it's kind of not, you know, it's not really relevant to what they're able to do. There's a lot of good things to take away from the Niners. I don't think you're going to see a game with that many turnovers. I mean, it is very rare in, in many ways to have a, a Kyle Shanahan offense have that 
many turnovers. And also, if you go back and watch them, a lot of them are like bounce off the hand of someone else and ping pong into the defender's hand. Like it, it wasn't it wasn't a type of turnover that you're like, wow, no, he's just throwing that to the other team. Cynthia, um, I'll make a connection to the 49ers. I am not a diehard 49ers fan, as Ravi is. But um, uh, because if I had it my way, I think Christian McCaffrey should win the MVP. That's why I'm going to ask this question. Overreaction or reality, Lamar Jackson has locked up the MVP. Well, it's only a reality because of the formula that we've been using to create the MVP for a really long time, right, since Adrian Peterson. Um, basically that the, a quarterback of a really strong team, especially a team that looks really strong right around now, which is when the voting ends, right, becomes the one that gets the MVP. It just, it just is. And if you have a performance like that on a national you know, stage at this late in the game, then you're absolutely doing it. The, the problem is, is timing is everything because there have been a bunch of 49ers games like had that Niners-Cowboys game happened right now or Eagles or whatever, like that would have made things different as well. And I'm, I'm with you. I, I think Christian McCaffrey should at least be very high in the conversation. I, I was a little surprised when it was Brock Purdy. Mm-hmm. Not, not to say that I don't think he's great, but I just think in terms of value on that team, Christian McCaffrey is the straw that stirs the drink. We're talking with Cynthia Freeland of the NFL Network. Uh, Cynthia when you're looking at, since we're, we're talking about the Ravens a little bit here, where are some of the areas that you think they are uh, the most impressive? Obviously, Lamar Jackson gets all the headlines there. But what does what do some of the numbers tell you where they excel in ways that maybe people aren't noticing? Yeah, I mean, we don't always talk about, like, coverage linebackers as well, and everyone knows how great their linebackers are. But it's the combination of what they've been able to do with their – it's kind of like the, spine, the whole spine of the defense, right? Like, Geno Stone is such a great story because we all kind of were like, well, we didn't know what to expect from him. And a lot of other teams did not think he was great, right? That's how he ended up where he, he did. And for him to be able to work so well with a guy like Kyle Hamilton, who he's not just a safety, he's like a versatile – I don't know what to call him, right? Like a defensive backish safety nickel. <laughs> like he's like a, a monster, right? <laughs> so for that to be able to happen, it's really the spine of the defense that is what I think is so impressive. Because I mean, if we're very honest, we've seen stretches where Marlon Humphrey, who's a great corner, but he's been in and out of the lineup. He's been battling an injury all season long. So when you have safeties like that, and you have linebackers that play in coverage so well, you really have a formula for success. And I think. That, that, to me, that defense and what Mike McDonald's been able to do, that's why that guy's name is going to be floating all over the place for any and all open coaching jobs, even ones where you'd think an offensive head coach would be the right solution. Cynthia, just picture this for a moment. Joe Flacco against the Ravens <laughs> in the playoffs. Do you think the football gods give us what we want and make it happen? I, if there is a football guy, he better make that happen because <laughs> I want nothing more than that. <laughs> I would love to see that. I, Flacco, to me, is like, because I'm about the same age as him, I think it's so funny. Like, you know, after that Jets game, he's on the field, he's like, this guy, this guy. Like, that is me at every party, every time I go <laughs> yeah. home. I'm like, I, he's the most relatable person in all of football right now for me. I like, and him like cursing and those, like, he's cool. I never thought so, but he's cool. 
Yeah, it seems like he's got he's kind of loosened up a little bit after he saw his. Yeah, how do you not root for that? Guy? I mean, it, you know, he, I, I don't know. He seemed always kind of. Uh, I mean, I'll say it. He seemed like one of the most boring guys in the world. Yes. When he was with yeah. like the Ravens, and then I don't know if he like saw his football la- life flash before his eyes, and all of a sudden he goes, "Well, I guess I'm going to enjoy it on what could be his last run." But like, it's it's really hard not to root for the for the Browns and Joe Flacco. I mean, that game with him and Amari Cooper was so fun to watch for so many reasons. But for goodness sake, like, you're watching Joe Flacco, like, sling it. Like, you know, it was it was insane. It was so funny. And then, I don't know, like, he takes this nap on the sideline, or at least it looks like. I mean, <laughs> everything is so funny. Like, I, I, it's just so relatable. Like, he, he, must have, he must have figured out, like, hey, F it. I'm just going to have fun now. You know? <laughs> Cynthia, answer this for me. Because as I think about the Browns, in all season long, they've had one of the best defenses, if not the best defense in the NFL. But how did they find Joe Flacco before somebody else? Like, does that, does that question make sense? How did the Jets miss on a guy like or taking a flyer on a guy like Joe Flacco or maybe another team in the NFL that needed a quarterback earlier than the Browns did? Well, part of the reason that Joe Flacco works so well is the system for the Browns is really set up to tailor and tailor to his skill set. And also, like, despite their O-line having a lot of injuries, like, they're a well-coached O-line, meaning you're not seeing any of those things where all these stunts and shifts that are happening throughout the league and that are really causing a lot of O-line problems. Watch the, the Panthers' O-line. They're just confused all the time. That's not happening even with their backup tackle, even with their backup you know, people playing and in, in not in their normal position. So that helps give him just an extra amount of time. The way they run the, the routes, the way that the whole thing is constructed, even without Nick Chubb, who in my estimation is, you know, you, you have to at least put him up there with Christian McCaffrey as one of the most important running backs in the league. Like they're doing a really nice job of creating a simple but complex enough offense, and it really fits his skill set. And the Jets, I mean, obviously, they know Joe Flacco well. He's on their roster. And I, it wouldn't have looked the same there because that O-line is not – it's just it's, it's a totally different, like, the if-then statements for what the quarterback needs to do are very different for the Jets than they are for what the Browns like to do. Uh, Cynthia, you mentioned the Panthers there briefly. And we were talking about this earlier in your opinion, is there a worse franchise to be a fan of when you take into account kind of ownership, what's been going on the last few years? Like, is there are that's got to be one of the more hopeless franchises at that at this point? I mean, let's be clear. I am a Lions fan, and I have been my whole <laughs> life. So oh, don't worry. So I've, you're, got, you're I've living, got a question for you about the Lions. You're living next. good then, yeah. right now. You're feeling good. We're, yeah, but it, but we've had some dark times. I mean, we've had some really dark times. I think, look, the, the only good news, if I'm a Panther fan, and I'm, I'm speaking very frankly here, my owner will throw money at this franchise. He just got a $300,000 fine, and he's kind of like, whatever, I accepted. I, I, I was wrong. Like, they will – he doesn't like losing. I can tell you that much. I, I went to business school, and when we were doing our business school interviews, uh, many people interviewed with him, and they're like, this man, he will not lose. There's a reason that he's such a good head fund manager. Like, you know, they'll figure it out. I mean, it's, it's not great right now, but I think they'll figure it out. Cynthia, let's, let's talk about your Lions for a moment. Let's bounce back to that Cowboys-Lions ending because Ugh. it had giant playoff <laughs> implications for Detroit. And, and frankly, they, they, they really could have been up for the one seed in Week 18. Um, 
But here's my thing. Like, let's, let's just think about this reasonably. Decker's only job is to come onto the field and report in that moment for that two-point conversion play. Why would he walk up to Brad Allen and then just not report? Like, should head referees have to take the podium afterwards is something I really wonder. It's something I really wonder. I mean, I, all I know is turning the page, like, I, I have to say, and I wasn't the biggest Dan Campbell supporter when he first became the coach. I thought, you know, I was like, what is going on here? Like, is this going to work out? And I was totally wrong. And I really 100% was confirmed in my wrongness after Dan Campbell took the podium after the game, didn't throw anyone under the bus, contained his emotions. Like, I don't know if many of us would be able to in that moment with that level of frustration and the fact that it felt like when it feels like someone's lying to you, it just makes you even more, at least me, it makes mm-hmm. me even more mad. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's like, I don't gaslight me here, buddy. You know, like, <laughs> he stood at the podium, you know, he stood at the podium and he was like, I explained to like, he, like that was that was a man right there, and I I'm confirmed in my wrongness. You know, I, I had been confirmed in it for a while. I had been like 99% for a while. Now it was like 110% absolutely sure that I you know I my initial estimation was wrong. I mean, there was a big rebuild, so got to got to give a lot of credit to Brad Holmes to the general manager. But you know, Dan Campbell, the, he's a great man. Like I I have so much respect for him. You know, Cynthia, I was kind of on the same page as you on Dan Campbell when he got hired. He seemed, honestly, he seemed like a guy that I thought would wash out of the NFL and end up being a really good college head coach. He kind of has more of that sort of like raw, raw college style that tends to work almost like, you know, like an early Pete Carroll the first time around when he was an NFL head coach. And like, I'm kind of shocked that this has worked in Detroit. I mean, the thing, I guess the thing that you're seeing now, and I, maybe Antonio Pierce is another great example of it, it's like people don't ever question when, when your passion is so palpable that you, it, like, it, it oozes out of him. There's no moment where you don't think Dan Campbell's like, completely invested in football. Mm-hmm. He loves it. He drinks 18 coffees so that he's awake <laughs> enough to enjoy it. Like, you know, all these crazy like, – I didn't love the crazy comments at first. I was like, ugh, we're going to be distracted. Like, this is, this is a team that had recently been 0-16, right? So, like, I don't need kneecap biting, all that stuff. But <laughs> the truth is, is, it's just that's who he authentically is. Yeah. That's not – and, and I, Pete is too, but life's all about timing. And I guess that timing worked for this team in this moment in a cultural rebuild where they had a bunch of – weird feelings and you know things were things were bad and you rebuild a culture with someone who cares i mean antonio pierce can can be another example of that potentially as well cynthia let's talk about uh an nfc north foe of the lions and the bears from a team standpoint um you know i don't think the bears should move on from fields because i don't actually think their number one overall pick bad how do you predict this bears offseason will go in chicago well, Ryan Poles is my college friend, so let me start by saying that. And if I were Ryan Poles or if I were advising him, I would tell him that no matter what, I, I, I am so up in the air. I would call Justin Fields and say, hey, I'm going to present like I'm going to take Caleb Williams. I'm going to present like that because I want to trade and I need to trade like I want six number one picks. Okay, that's a little egregious, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> so I would call Justin Fields, give him the heads up, and be like, I'm going to go to every USC like the pro day, I'm going to go interview him first. I'm going to stand in line and look like I'm banging the drum for him because I would like this, this franchise. They're not a – they shouldn't move on from Justin Fields, in my opinion. I don't think 
I don't think they have the infrastructure there in place to be able to have any quarterback succeed. So, in my opinion, I think what they should do is tell everyone in the brother that we're going quarterback, we're going quarterback, and then get a bunch of first-round picks and take all of the good O-linemen that are coming out. <laughs> I love and, it. And one of those great wide receivers because the truth is, is they need a better O-line. They need Their defense is, is good. Defense isn't the problem, right? Montez Sweat was a great deal that they got. They just need a much better O-line and one more pass catcher. Maybe you're running back too, but you can get those late. But, like, get one of those. I like the Washington receiver even better than Marvin Harrison Jr. Anyways, but that's another that's another talk for another day. But I would I would lie. <laughs> I, have to run and I would lie. I would lie my face off. I would fall. I would have a Caleb Banner, a Caleb Williams like <laughs> license plate. <laughs> We're talking with Cynthia Freeland from the NFL Network. So let me. I just want to make sure I'm understanding correctly. Uh, so your opposition or, or your decision to not take a quarterback has more to do with the Bears getting everything right around the quarterback spot rather than it is you're all in on Justin Fields. Am I understanding you correctly? I would say I'm 75% in on Justin Fields. Okay. My, quest- my questions about Justin Fields really are questions that can't be answered by his skill set. He's had a lot of different coordinators, tried to run a bunch of different offenses. And, like, for example, Luke Getze this year, he, for the first, like, eight games, he had no designed quarterback runs for Justin Fields. What are you doing? Like, why? That was working for every other team, and you've got a guy who's a great – so it's really not about Justin himself. It's more about, okay, like, let's actually give this person all of the tools around you that you can succeed with because we know he's got a great arm, see DJ Moore. We know he's got great opportunity to use his legs, see what happens when he does use designed runs. And let's, like, put a few more pieces in place and see what we've got here because I don't think – even if you're the best prospect in the entire world coming out of college, like – Look at the difference. Look at how we feel at this point in time between Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. They put everything in place for C.J. Stroud. They had Gerard Johnson, who's a quarterback. That guy's awesome. He played quarterback himself. They had a great offensive coordinator. They didn't necessarily have a great old line, but they put all of the other things. They got healthier as the season progressed, but they, they tailored the game book to what C.J. Stroud could do, and they rolled him out slowly, meaning they did the 100-level stuff and then the 200-level stuff. They're not out there being like, okay, and you just throw outside the numbers 45 yards. Got it? Great. Enjoy. You know, against Aaron Donald um, with one hand tied behind your back. Like, let's, like, you know, like a lot of these quarterbacks they've ne- coming out of college, they've never seen zone defense. A lot of them, they've never taken a snap under center. They're, or, okay, it never might be an, an overestimation. They rarely see zone defense. They rarely take a snap under center. These are things that modern NFL football, like, you can't imagine, like, all of those push pushes, they come under center. Mm-hmm. If you have a rookie quarterback, you don't even get to – that's kind of out of it because they, like, they don't really know how to take a, a, the handoff under center, at least for a couple of games. So it's, it's crazy. Like, I, my, my whole point is, I don't know – Caleb Williams looks awesome, let me be clear, but so does Justin Fields. So keep, keep the guy that you know, you know exactly what his skill sets are and make it work around him because there are so many assets available to you in this draft that can do that. Cynthia, I'm glad you brought up that the first half of the season with Justin Fields. It felt a lot like the Bears were, uh, uh, you know, like in the like 90s and early 2000s when you had these mobile quarterbacks coming out of out of college, and then everybody insisted on trying to turn them into pocket passers instead of using their <laughs> skill sets. Like it felt like that's what they were. It felt like they got a time machine, went back to like the 2002 
Falcons playbook and was like, hey, Michael Vick, don't don't run. We're just you're going to be a pocket passer today. It's like I, I I don't know that people appreciate how bizarre that was for the first half of the season for the Bears. It, it was so strange, especially in an era now. See, at least the, the in defense of the early 2000s, like there were perhaps your coordinator, perhaps your the, the staff there. They didn't maybe have enough plays in the playbook for that that they knew would work or they felt comfortable with. And people tend to become risk averse at the NFL level. Mm-hmm. The ones who aren't, those are the ones who, who succeed. But it seems to me like at least at, back then, you didn't have a ton of examples. This year, immobile guys have designed quarterback <laughs> runs. Right? Like, yeah. at, at this year, truly, like guys who are like, I'm sorry, did Kirk Cousins, did, did they just do design <laughs> quarterback runs for Kirk Cousins? And, they, and, and you're like, wow, okay. Like, that guy's a pocket pass. Wait, I mean, and that's where it's weird because you've got a guy with wheels. Justin Fields is an incredible speed demon. Like, what are you doing? Like, that was confusing to me. So I'm glad to see him use his legs more. But, you know, it's like it, even like Lamar Jackson, who's our probable MVP, we were talking about him earlier. It's unlikely he would be the guy who we see as this MVP candidate if he didn't have a whole system designed around his mm-hmm. skill set. Cynthia, I know you said it'd be a conversation for a different day. I kind of want to make it a conversation for today, seeing as Washington (laughs) is in the national championship game on Monday. You said you liked Rome over Marvin Harrison Jr. And Marvin Harrison Jr. On June Day. Yeah. 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 You like him more than Harrison Jr. And Marvin's, at least on every mock draft that you see, well above Rome, I mean, Rome's, he's, uh, what, second on the board. You have Malik Neighbors that I think falls at three. Keon yep. Coleman would probably be the fourth wide receiver off the board. Why do you like Adunze more than you like Harrison Jr.? Well, it's, it's not like heads and shoulders different, right? It's not like around different. It's, it's a flavor different, right? Like when you start to do draft coverage, the first thing that I start by doing is, of course, always look, you know, obviously quarterback, we, we all talk about quarterback most in media, so I, I got to go where my bosses need me to go, right? So I start <laughs> with that. And then I go with wide receivers, and I look at their, their route tree, and I look at the precision of their route tree because a lot of guys who've had a lot of success, like see your Garrett Wilson, see your uh, Justin Jefferson, see your Jamar Chase, their route tree, and even, even Justin Jefferson coming out there, like he only runs out of the slot, and you're like, well, but when he is, that's where they line him up. But when he is running aligned out wide, his precision with route running actually doesn't change. And that's the type of thing you're looking at. You're like, okay, and what happens when he's got, you know, everyone plays man in college. Like almost everyone plays man in college. What happens when he's in double, triple coverage? How does, how does that change? And you actually saw it in that game with that ridiculous catch. That, like he's on the perimeter, over the shoulder. Like doesn't even flinch. The defender's in his face, and that's a good defender, too. It's not like, I mean, okay, the, the defenses in that game weren't as good as the defenses in the Michigan games. So we, we got it. But, like, you know, like, that still was a ridiculous – you're watching all that stuff. And go watch the entire season he put together. The route tree is so precise. And it's even with, you know, like his quarterback's good, but there are, there are more – there have been more precise passers in, you know, like Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase was pretty – was a pretty good thing but it, you're just watching this route tree and you're watching the like the, his timing he's running exactly the same speed on each route he's so consistent that will really help at the next level not that marvin harrison jr isn't but he's just a smidge more and his fourth quarter stats because they play so much offense like 
all of the time. His fourth quarter stats, he like doesn't get fatigued. The man doesn't mm-hmm. have a drop off in his speed. So it's not that I, I'm not out here banging the drum saying I don't like Marvin Harrison Jr. <laughs> it's, that's not it at all. I'm just saying like for a certain team that has those like if I'm there's so many Shanahan tree guys. This is a Shanahan tree guy. This is like a Jalen Waddle, you know, like thought like what what routes do Jalen Waddle run? Okay, this is this is the one for him. And Jalen Waddle's very smart. That's why I say him. Uh, Cynthia, we've got about a minute left here, and I'm we're gonna have to have you back and just talk draft because I'm a, we're both huge draft nerds here. <laughs> yeah. um, yes, love but, draft. But uh, real quick on quarterbacks, Caleb Williams, Drake May are at the top of the board. You mentioned Michael Penix. Where does he fall for you in that? Is he in that first round group, or is he oh, a little yeah, bit lower? Going to Shane's Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I don't see him falling out. Like, it's going to be weird how the top of the draft shakes out. I don't like being, like, top ten pick. Well, not yet. Sure. we got to see how free agency goes. Yeah. But I don't see him falling out. of. Like, I think I, I think this draft season is going to be fascinating for the quarterback. There's a couple of guys who I – the top guys always worry me because they're put in often bad situations. So, we'll have to see. Penix, Penix to me, doesn't fall out of the top, you know, crew. Like, first round. But I don't know where. Cynthia Freeland from the NFL Network. Cynthia, next time, well, we'll probably get some some uh, NFL playoffs, but at some point we are getting a whole segment of NFL draft yeah. and just going to nerd out. Uh, I can't wait. We appreciate your time. As always, we'll talk to you again soon. You got it, you guys. Stay warm. Happy New Year. Thanks, Cynthia. That's Cynthia Freeland from the NFL Network. Coming up next, we've got to catch up on some of our New Year's resolutions we didn't quite get to. But first, we've got Andy Kendi from KTV.